Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, it's Alvin again for our second part of what we're calling the Former Victims Club series. It's our series for the month of February. Before we get into it, let's do our, our pre-word declaration together. So say this along with me from wherever you're watching. The word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. The more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, uh, I've said before that this year, my prayer for us is that we would all say, I'm a life giver and, and mean it. Last week, we introduced that to be life givers, we must first say no to being a victim. Few things hinder the life giver in us more than a victim mentality, which is why this month is our induction to what we're calling the Former Victims Club. This club is for people who have at one point been hurt, hurt in a real way, but have avoided or escaped a victim mentality. Last week, we covered that Harriet Tubman a former slave turned American hero, uh, spent almost a whole year as a free woman in Philadelphia before she started her 19 trips south to bring others to freedom. I use this to show the theme of being a life giver. You must first do whatever it takes to not consider yourself the victim of your story and instead see yourself as the life giver in your story. Last week, we also covered Joseph, who had to do the same thing. In Genesis chapter 45, we read about the agonizing process of Joseph being delivered from the victim of his story to being the life giver in his story. It's a painful process, but it's a powerful one. I love how the scriptures showed how emotional this was for Joseph. Forgiveness is not easy, and, and let me tell you why. Forgiveness often robs us of the justification or even the desire to even the scoreboard as victims. It often leaves us with many unanswered questions and even worse, forgiveness is often required even when the person who hurt you didn't ask for it. That's when it's really tough, when they didn't even ask for an apology, but you still have to forgive them. Whew, I can feel it now. But let's keep it going with uh, the rest of our induction into the former Victims Club. Uh, to help illustrate what I believe God is saying to us through this message, I wanna talk a bit about race in America, more specifically race in our very own church community. For those who have never been to Nashville life in person, uh, we have been blessed with a unique community of, of multiple races. Uh, with this comes a lot of advantages that most churches can experience, but also with this comes some challenges that most churches don't experience. Obviously, I'm a black man. Uh, my parents, our founding pastors are black as well. And much of our congregation is. Our church, however, has a lot of white people in it. And I believe that each of them play an essential role in what God has called Nashville life to be. Not only has the white person at Nashville life shown at the bare minimum a tolerance for black people, I believe that the white person in Nashville life has actually shown love and appreciation for black people. The first senior pastors of our church were a black couple and now the new lead pastor is a black man. I think black people and white people need to understand that this speaks louder 
than honestly all of us realize. With that said, I know enough white people to know that it sometimes takes some explanation to understand why there are certain things like Black History Month or Black award shows or Black TV networks or, or Black magazines and Black this and Black that. An often unexpressed thought with white people is if we had a White History Month or if we had a white award show or a white TV network or White Lives Matter or white anthems about white power, we would be considered racist. Yet things can be labeled black all the time and they are celebrated as honorable and inspiring. If you've ever thought this, white people, let me tell you that I do understand and you are probably right. There is absolutely a double standard. And regardless of if it's justifiable or not, there is a double standard. If you are white and these thoughts have ever crossed your mind, let me, let me help you understand with a word called context. Church, as people of the scriptures, we all know the importance of context. There's a certain context regarding the history of America that you've gotta be aware of to fully understand how the double standard came to be and why it's widely considered justifiable. For centuries, guys, black Americans were, were lawfully not allowed to be included in general things like history books and Christian churches, public schools, public parks, neighborhoods, universities, art galleries, libraries, sports clubs, restaurants, theaters, magazines, movies, and television. In efforts to appeal to the majority, which has always been and still is in America, a white audience and consumer base, gatekeepers felt a need to exclude black people for the sake of making the majority comfortable, happy, and generous with their money. This left black people with one of two choices, remain excluded from history books and Christian churches and public schools and public parks and neighborhoods and universities and sports clubs and theaters and magazines and the whole nine, or create opportunities that did include black people in these spaces and mediums. For instance, if you ask the founders of black churches, they will tell you they were not allowed to attend, serve, and definitely not lead in churches. So they started churches where black people were allowed to hear the gospel and, and get saved and be discipled and to preach. It was either that or let black people not hear the gospel or grow in Christ. Ask the founders of black magazines like, like Essence and Ebony and, and Jet Magazine, and they will tell you that Vogue and People and Vanity Fair and Time magazines wouldn't employ black writers or editors or include stories about black people, so they simply chose to start magazines that would. Ask the founders of, of BET and, and UPN and other historically black networks that we see today, and they will tell you that MTV and NBC and CBS and ABC wouldn't employ black producers, writers, directors, or shows that included black people. So they created networks that would. Guys, please hear what I'm saying. Historically, black establishments were not started out of a spirit of black supremacy or white phobic motives but out of a simple desire for presence and opportunity, which surely everybody can relate to. And for the few of you who are thinking, well, black people are allowed to do everything now, so why not just dissolve these black organizations? I've got three things for you to consider. One, 
Progress is not the same as destination. Two, be careful of dishonor. Avoid the implication that historically black organizations should close their doors and eliminate jobs simply because black people are finally welcome into historically white spaces. And number three, be careful of arrogance and confident ignorance. Avoid discounting the possibility that historically black organizations created out of necessity might have become favorable options, though historically white organizations are now options for blacks as well. The reason why I'm talking about black history is not just because it's February, but I believe that it's a perfect vehicle in understanding the former Victims Club message. The reason why many black American figures are so inspiring to all of us, regardless of your race, is though everyone is not black, everyone knows what it's like to be a victim or to be on the receiving end of adversity or rejection. Every white person, black person, Latino, Asian person knows the human experience of being oppressed by a person or a situation. One of my pastoral overseers, Pastor Maury Davis, is a white man, but has such a long list of personal adversity against his life and his history. My dad is a black man and has the same, so much adversity that he's experienced in his history. Pastor Cesar Cassiano is a big inspiration to me as a Hispanic man, but still, just like the white man and the black man has so much adversity in his history. He was shot five times in his car with his wife and children right there. His wife got shot once. It's crazy the stuff that he's been through. Adversity is universal. No race can put a monopoly on adversity. It's universal. And everyone who has overcome adversity had to make the same choice to not be the victim and to become the life giver. Every black figure that we celebrate this month had to make a choice to either roll over and take the defeat of doors slamming in their face, laws being set up against their chances for success, school systems that projected a message that their children were scientifically and morally unqualified for schools because of the color of their skin, they all had a choice to take the victim mentality that society tried to inflict on them or, a big or, renounce the victim role, separate themselves from it, and accept themselves as the life-giving role of their story. The founders of black organizations during the days of overt segregation and exclusion chose to stop crying over being refused opportunity and create opportunity. They chose to graduate from being the rejected person and become the resourceful person, providing opportunities for the next generation to have a little bit more than they did. And then the next generation does the same and so on and so on. It's because of these small steps made by every generation that we have reached where we are as a nation today. Nashville Life, the only reason why we are saved today is because of men and women who came before us, turned in their victim cards, and became life givers. The person that led you to Christ, whoever's watching, was a victim at some point in their lives and became life givers when they ministered to you. The former Victims Club is full of saints, people who took heed to the old song, Give Thanks a song that leads us to sing the lyrics, and now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor 
say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. I love that song. Now, I said all this, but let me say this. As much as I am inspired by black stories, the reason why it doesn't serve as my primary inspiration is because it doesn't fully cover the way prescribed by Jesus. Let me explain. There are a lot of accomplished people in our world whose primary motivation was proving naysayers wrong. Many of us have heard the phrase or even lived by the phrase that uh, my haters motivate me. This notion has been fuel for many victims. The hate and adversity of the naysayer can become the motivation to why we excel in life. And as effective as being motivated by haters can be, it is not truly the way of Jesus. Colossians chapter three, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.23 goes further and says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. Guys, Jesus is our motivation, not our haters. Please get this. Now in full transparency, we have had some wonderful people who have come through Nashville life over our soon to be nine years. People who we have loved, people who we have blessed and people who have blessed us. People that we have ministered to in their times of need, people who we have given to financially, people who we've allowed to stay in our homes who now speak very poorly about us to others. They have deferred people from coming to us. And to this very day, they let others know their negative feelings about us and our ministry, having never told us these things to our faces. Trust me, I know all too well the temptation of letting haters be my motivators for excelling. But as a man of God, which means I belong to him, I can't afford to have a worldly, fleshly drive in building the body of Christ. Trying to prove a point to men is actually still connected to the victim mentality. John 10, verse 10 through 11 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Guys, Jesus has two motivations, his love for his father and his love for people. For all of you who feel like victims, I'm not preaching a gospel where you click your heels and snap your fingers and you're no longer mad or you're hurt. The key to your deliverance is not turning down your hate on your perpetrators or going numb, but it's turning up your love for God and for people. And how do you turn up your love for God? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our help for loving God. 
And if you feel bad about needing help to love God, guys, that's just your pride. Don't give it too much attention. I shamelessly admit needing help for loving God. My life is full of distractions and temptations, and without the help of the Holy Spirit, I would be an adulterous man, letting other things take my love away from God. But thank God the Holy Spirit builds me up in my love for God and my love for you. I love this passage in the book of Jude, chapter one, verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, some of you guys may have remembered me talking about praying in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues. I believe that, that my personal discipline of praying in tongues has been my motivation for loving God and loving people. If it wasn't for praying in tongues personally, I would have let my love for proving the detractors of Nashville life wrong become a motivation as a pastor and my ministry would therefore not be pure. But now, thanks to the Holy Spirit, I can do what Jesus does when I encounter naysayers. I can forgive them and bless them. Now from my heart, I can pray stuff like, give them long lives and give them strong marriages, give them prosperous careers, bless their current church family, protect their current pastors from enduring <laughs> the pain that they caused us. Uh, nothing heals you more from a victim mentality than blessing those who persecute you. And I'm not talking about the, the passive aggressive, holier than thou, condescending blessing. I'm talking about the blessing that is sincerely from your heart, like actually wanting them to do well and actually wanting to see them prosper. There's a difference because the alternative is retaliation. That makes you feel more like a victim than you did before. It feels better in the moment, but it causes you to go backwards like all things sin. Blessing your haters and your persecutors hurts more, but it's the only way into the former victims club, which is what we are all joining this month. The former victims club four step process that we covered last week, remember step one, man is a victim. Two, God is blessing. Number three, man receives blessing. And then number four, we can't forget number four, man becomes blessing. Guys, so much of our healing has so little to do with people who hurt us and more to do with a God who loves us. To become a former victim is simply to realize and focus on the fact that God has blessed you. The honor of knowing God loves you is what washes your heart and your soul from the wounds of all that hurt. I wanna recite the lyrics again to give thanks one more time. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us.
His transformation happens after giving thanks and acknowledging what the Lord has done. If you're ready to receive what God has done for you, if you're ready to receive Jesus Christ, his son, if you are ready to be transformed from weak to strong, from poor to rich, today is your day and Jesus is the answer. I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me if you're ready to take that step of faith. And uh, when you pray this prayer, according to the scriptures, if you believe it in your heart, your name will be written in the book of life and your life will never be the same. So repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed it this time and you, you really mean it from your heart, then I want you to do something. Get out your phone and text yes to Jesus to 77411. We would love to share some helpful information with you to get you started on your journey with Jesus. If you would like to get connected to Nashville Life, we would love for you to text belong to that same number and we'll share some ways to get connected to us as well as share a playlist with you um, that Nashville Life has uh, sort of curated for everybody who wants to get connected. Uh, the best way to get connected if you live in the Nashville area is to actually come and see us at our Next Steps meeting. We meet at 3.30 p.m. Uh, at our Christ Church location. Um, we're meeting today. If you're watching on a Sunday, that's today at 3.30 p.m. If you come and you don't know where 104 is, please see one of our team members. They have the team uh, written on the back of their shirt, and they will gladly direct you to room 104 to join us for Next Steps. Um, if you would like to give to the ministry, thank you in advance. Uh, please text Nashville Life to that same number, 77411, and you can give online. Thank you so much again for uh, being with us during our online service at Nashville Life. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next two parts of our former Victims Club series. Uh, I pray that you are blessed and that the rest of your week is great. I'll see you next time and have a good day.